Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Join in. I will not be wooing. <laughs> Welcome to Motherfucker's <laughs> Halloween special. I'm Dark O'Shea. I'm Padre Kravonic. And I'm Kate Rodi McAvoy. And that was the longest W in podcasting. Ooh, <laughs> welcome. It was actually a BH. <laughs> Way. Hey. Ooh, 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 ooh. Original content. Nice. <laughs> That's how we rock it. You're all very welcome to a spooky sound special. We are going to talk, as we do every year, when it is, because as you know, Celtic Druids invented Halloween. They did, in 1971. And in in keeping with our wolfish and druidic traditions, we are going to talk about... (laughs) Wolfish. Wolfish traditions. (laughs) We are going to talk about all things spooky and spookulture. Get out. Give me a synonym for spooky. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Uh, uh. And mysterious. <laughs> and haunted. Excellent. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to start with, with um, you know, um, the spookiest county in Ireland is obviously Leash. Yeah, um, because no one knows where it is or when they're in it, they don't realise they're there. Um, as case in point, I know loads of people have been to Electric Picnic and they were like, oh, I'd never been to Leash. Like, where the <laughs> fuck do you think Electric Picnic is? Leash is so spooky because it disappears for one weekend at the end of August. It's just not there. They don't realise that that toll bridge that you're going through in Mount Rath, that's Leash, lads. You know, that's, <laughs> you're in Leash. <laughs> Who goes through the toll bridge? Detour. <laughs> you can detour, detour past my granny's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old, the old Dublin Limerick Road. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if it'll, it'll cost you in petrol more to detour than to come back. It probably does. It probably, probably does. does. But you gain that in opportunities to visit the chicken hut outside Port Leash. The chicken hut. Chicken hut. Yeah. Motorway oh, services. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I thought you were. I, I was picturing an actual hut with chickens. No, far no. from it. I'm yeah. afraid. Yeah. There's, there's chicken, all right. That would be more sanitary. Yeah. Is this one of Ireland's great regional chicken franchises, like Hillbillies? Um, Hillbillies, for a start, is class. Hillbillies is the greatest class franchise in Ireland. It's almost national. Um, almost nationwide. Almost nationwide, like Shaw's. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Hillbillies. Hillbillies is weird. It's like somebody drew a line from Dublin to Galway and said, "Hillbilly shall go no further north of this." Mm. Like, because there's a Hillbillies in Walkinstown, and there's two in Cork, and there's oh, one yeah. in Kerry, and there's one in Waterford. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where else. They there's are. one in Clontarf, isn't there? Or in or there is one in Clontarf. There is one in Clontarf. Yeah, okay, so they are north of the Liffey, just barely. There's one in Clontarf. Yeah. Well, Clontarf okay. doesn't count. Like. <laughs> 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 I mean, to be fair, now walking down doesn't count as safe the Liffey either. Like, so. um, there's two in Cork, but it depends on you. You have to go to the right one. It's the one next to the fountain. That's the one you want to go to, not the one on McCurtain Street. Ah, the chicken is better than the one on the really? fountain. And on several occasions, I have convinced sober as the day I was born, my drunk friends to leave the club early. So we can, so we can get make in it queue. to the fountain. Yeah. yeah, so we can get in the queue. The queue's for fierce, though. The queue's fierce. In a bun. The hillbillies, it's worth. I sometimes have to work in Kerry or in West Cork, or like, and I always take a big detour out of my way to make sure I go through Fermoy on the way home. Because the hillbillies in Fermoy is. Uh, is a good hillbillies. As far as chicken restaurants that yeah. exist in petrol stations go, it's yeah. it's up, definitely right top up five. There. Right mm. So Definitely. glad we're talking about this in our hillbillies. <laughs> this <laughs> podcast is brought to you by hillbillies. We no. wish <laughs> the taste of cork fried. <laughs> if anybody from hillbillies is listening, yeah, and you want to offer us a sponsorship or yeah, free we, be- breasts in a bun, I'm okay just, with yeah, that. We yeah. will just eat snack boxes yeah. while um, while on air. Or if we're talking about specific cork-based fast food outlets, Casey's and um, Casey's is the bomb. If you're listening and Lennox's particularly, I will eat a Jackie Deluxe for some AS. Or on this podcast, no bother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not going to become one of these ASMR people, are you? I hate ASMR. I hate it, but I will eat a Jackie Deluxe, no problem, Is for profit. ASMR, that thing where you listen to the sounds of people doing stuff and eating stuff and things. Yeah, and it's gross. Oh, it's what does it stand for? Audio sensory. Blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, so you get you get some like young one drinking a glass of milk, and fellas, we kind of uh, PayPaling them, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think it's as creepy as I don't know if it's creepy. Oh, to is me. this like semi your socks? Like that's sort I of thing, don't like, think. I'm not it? sure. It's really popular. Some people listen to it to like relax, but I don't know if that's like. Oh, I'm just relaxing. No, you're not, James. No, you're you're not, a James. pervert. How are you relaxing with your pants around your ankles? <laughs> <laughs> your Mickey doesn't look relaxed. <laughs> How's that for audio censoring? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get a load of like weird ASMR people being like, well, actually. Actually, actually, uh, it's just four hours of me rubbing my jeans. <laughs> <laughs> the ASMRs are, oh, when they came for the pagans, I said nothing because I was fine. But now they came for the ASMR creeps. No one is safe. <laughs> First, we came for the Nazis. And I said nothing because I hate Nazis. <laughs> and it worked out grand. <laughs> That's how that goes, right? That's how it goes. So yeah. wait, wait, wait. Is there is there a crossover? Like, could we get an ASMR like podcast or YouTube video done about the sound of a milkshake hitting a Nazi in the face? Because I think that would, that would get me into ASMR in a big way. I It'd think be, it's the visual of that you want, though. You're losing all out. Of it. It's all uh, of it. Just a whole, whole sensory experience. Yeah, I want everything. I want. I want the splash. Yeah. I want the disappointed mule from the, the Nazi. Like, oh. And then the dripping of the milkshake. And oh, then them it's, in- it's vanilla. Oh. <laughs> and then them, them insisting that they're fine. Like, I'm fine. This I'm is fine. absolutely fine. Fine. I'm not I'm even not. lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> so what, where did the whole milkshake thing come from? What, is it... Is it, like as has, has been suggested online, is it inspired by certain, you know, um, certain video content on the internet where people get splattered in the face? Oh, oh dirt. Dirt, no. filth, no. Ew. I, so, I think it's just some fella had a milkshake yeah, on him one day and he saw was, that loser and was like, there, there well. Was, there was a young man, there, were, yeah. there was a young man of, uh, of, of um, uh, 
British Asian extraction uh, in the middle of a town centre and he was being quote-unquote canvassed by Stephen Yaxley-Lennon, who's known as Tommy Robinson to his supporters, during the run-up to the European elections this year. And he was drinking a milkshake. Yeah, he realized He realised he was completely and totally surrounded, that there were six of these yabos on all sides of him and he was being filmed. And he realised, right, well, I'm probably in for a kicking here. Well, why not? And he Fs the milkshake at uh, Mr. Yaxley-Lennon and he dutifully got the shit kicked out of him but what a man but, yeah. and what a man what give what that a, man the freedom of the of the <laughs> continent <laughs> <laughs> and what an, what an image of just that that awful person's face uh, Stephen Yaxley's face just like covered in like gross milkshake because yeah. milkshake is not a nice thing to yeah. be covered in I imagine there, I don't no. know there is, there is there is one potential reason why it, it sort of it's it sort of taken over from egging yeah because um, if you're on any high street in Western Europe it's probably easier to find a milkshake yeah. than an egg eggs. Yeah. Uh, and like if you, the, the smallest you can buy eggs in is, is a half dozen yeah. yeah. so like if you use up your egg on a fascist you're going like I've got, and I feel got like five eggs left and I don't have a frying pan mm. you have to be quite back. accurate with your throw of an egg whereas yeah. a milkshake it, because it's liquid it's going to yeah. go everywhere also like, so unless you, you yeah somewhere. exactly on a, unless you sort of soft boil the egg yeah. it's not very visual like yeah. you know yeah. you don't even see an egg dripping down yeah. a fascist's face yeah you, milkshake is very visual mm-hmm. it's yeah. visceral it really is and there was a bit of trouble wasn't there with the, one of the fast food outlets um, earlier on this year a few said that they were going to stop selling milkshakes one day on, on advice of the of the police of yeah, the yeah, well, West Midlands police all of it? them did yeah when, uh, when, when Nigel Farage was going to be in I think it was in Scotland actually when he was yeah. going to be touring Edinburgh or Glasgow one of the major cities of Scotland one of the major fast food chains um I won't say who they are, but I'm not loving it. Right? They, um, <laughs> they, they, they said we will not, on the advice of the the police, we won't be selling any milkshakes during this particular political visit. And then their rivals across the street said, "Fill your boots, we're selling milkshakes." <laughs> <laughs> Hillbillies would never stop us throwing milkshakes. <laughs> yeah, never. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Lennox's or Casey's do milkshakes. I don't even know if Hillbillies do milkshakes. I do imagine they? Casey's do the best milkshakes. I, just, I don't know. That's very Dublin now. A milkshake. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> There's no more culture. I never had a drink. milkshake <laughs> until I came to Dublin. I was in the Ilac Centre. <laughs> it was vanilla like, and it was rotten. <laughs> it sounds like one of those uh, terrible, terrible ads for a hotel on the south side of the city. Oh, she's off. Garrity's off up to Dublin again to get one of those milkshakes. A milkshake, is it? Yeah, she's staying in the Dublin Hotel on her way to get the milkshake. The, the Dublin, Dublin Hotel. Hotel? The Dublin Hotel. Apparently, if you ring 652-5855, they'll give you a discount. 652-5855. <laughs> Derek, is that your office number? No. <laughs> it's not. Somebody ring that, please, and see if I can have the discount, please. At the Dublin Hotel. <laughs> oh, God, the Dublin Hotel. Just the one. So Halloween. So, and we all know milkshakes are fairly spooky. Spooky, yeah. They look but incredibly so. Ghosts? Liquid they do, ghosts. They do indeed. They're like a liquid ghost dripping all over your face. All right, stop. Okay. Stop Sorry. it. Stop right. that. Okay. Garaging. I believe you have a story, a tale of haunting. Um, I do, but it, like, lower your expectations because <laughs> like there is a ghost in my head. We're going to start with the bad one to work way up. <laughs> there's, whoa, like, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a ghost in your house. Yeah, there's a ghost in my house. Yeah, but You're, like, it's you, not. What you grew up with a ghost in your house? Yeah, yeah. No, like, but like, 
it like we cohabitate like quite peacefully like she doesn't bother us that much like we don't bother her presumably <clears throat> and she just lives in the house occasionally she'll close an old door upstairs and it'll bang Is she um, a poltergeist? Uh, like no I feel like if I called her a poltergeist like that it'd be like unnecessarily harsh she just kind of like knocks around But is she invisible? Around. Yeah no I don't and see her yeah. She only manifests by moving things Moving shit around yeah She's a poltergeist She's a poltergeist Yeah but like listen right this was her house beforehand. Like Mag lived there before we did. So oh, like, it's Mag, is it? It is. She used to live in the house and now we live in it. She's a relative of my dad somehow, but we live in the house now. And like, it's quite, some parts of the house are like super old. Um, And in those bits, you can kind of hear the, like the newer bits. Like she doesn't really knock around in those bits. But yeah, she moves shit around. She uh, she'll uh, might hide stuff on you for a couple of days. Like she brings a bit of damp into the house as well. I, th- I think yeah, oh, a bit of damp. Bit oh, of damp. Bit yeah, of damp. it's hard She's drying the clothes. Do you know when, when Mag's around? When Mag's around. I feel, yeah. I feel calling her a pol- poltergeist is is a, is a little bit unfair to Mag simply because of our experience of poltergeists from the movies where yeah. they're bad guys. But the Irish for a poltergeist is a Tyve Shaturin or yeah. a, a noise ghost so yeah. you, she only she doesn't manifest visually you don't see her knocking around the gaff no and she wouldn't she wouldn't interfere with you like I'd say you now if there was a seance like she might not be down with that I don't know we've never tried to like summon her but like <laughs> do you know because she just minds her business and we mind our business so when I see it to people there's a ghost in my house they're like oh my god there's a ghost in your house like she minds her business we mind our business. So like, I'm not going to like victim blame anybody who's been in a situation of like paranormal activity where they've had a ghost who was like terrorising them or whatever. But like, you know, if you left the ghost alone, maybe the ghost wouldn't bother you. Like, just saying, you know, (laughs) maybe it's your fucking fault. (laughs) I cohabitated with a ghost for a while. Did you? Yeah, I shared an apartment in Maynooth with a few friends and apparently it was haunted by the ghost of Eamon de Valera's private secretary. That's so specific. It was specific. really specific. He I owned the house. That. Like, yeah. Uh, we, we only heard this off the people that... We, it was a student gaff. We moved in after these girls who had been there for the previous year. And I was like, what's the place like? And uh, one of the girls was like, it's class. Uh, we've been using it as a party gaff, but it's really good. If you want to be quiet, it's pretty cool. Main Street location is good. You're right next to the bus stop. You're right across that. the road from the pub. Uh, and it's haunted. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. And it's what? <laughs> <laughs> and it's haunted, yeah. It's like a, a Donica Obuchla. Uh, Eamon de Valera's private secretary he sometimes sit in the armchair nearest the telly so so could uh, you see him? no but but apparently she could sometimes he's apparently the previous the previous inhabitant of the house could and she's like Mm. oh yeah I've had conversations with the ghost it's like yes but you also take a lot of acid and I'm (laughs) I'm aware of this maybe he moved out Um, with them though maybe maybe he he just like went to the next party house yeah stay living with them because they're a good crack I will say one thing about the place though the, the apartment was lovely but it was I think it was technically inside the Arctic Circle it was so <laughs> cold. Yeah. So cold. Energy rating of Z, the lowest you can go. Yeah. <laughs> what was its BER? Ooh, ooh, don't even ask. Yeah. That's what the Amore Park in, in County Leash in Port Leash, the, the county grounds in Amore Park, is also in the Arctic Circle. Yeah. It is the coldest place. They're, they're little pockets. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, so if it's like 27 degrees outside, when you go into Amore Park, it will be minus eight. Like yeah. you'll need to bring the old coat, like and the, mm. the big boots. At least supporters, real diehards, you know? Yeah, real diehards. Really fucking cold in there. I used to sell programs in there and <laughs> die of the cold. <laughs> programs, get your programs. Programs. Mona Lee is on the cover. He probably still is, you know. So, I mean, we had a ghost story we heard in you in Rathfarnham growing up that there was a certain building was haunted. It's called the Priory. 
Ooh. Ooh. So there's a there's a there's a there used to be a tavern in Wicken. <laughs> it's spooky because I'm terrified of the clergy. <laughs> and uh, there used to be a tavern in Rathfarnham Village that was very popular with the with the with the gilded youth who's called the Sarah Curran. And Sarah Curran was uh, the <laughs> I don't think it's still there anymore. I'm not sure. I think it may even turn to a hotel. But, um, what? What? That wouldn't be like anything stood, in Dublin. It stood still for twenty five minutes. <laughs> but the um, but Sarah Curran was, of course, the name of the darling of Aaron, Robert Emmett's uh, beloved. He was in love his with mot. his mott. His and Sarah Curran was regarded as the, the the prettiest girl in Rathfarnham, and possibly further afield. Who knows? But they, they, listen, that's still a high bar. You know what I mean? That's yeah. still a high bar. Yeah, the, the girls are Rathfarnham, lovely, only lovely. They have lovely skin. They do have lovely skin in Rathfarnham. They do. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she, Sarah Curran. I wonder she, if they do ASMR. <laughs> Ra- I want very specific Rathfarnham accent ASMR, <laughs> like totes. 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 <laughs> I'm totes peeling this orange. Is that ASMR? Orange peeling? I I don't know. know. I don't know. I've never experienced it. Can you let us know if you listen to our podcast for some like Irish accent ASMR? Because I'm pretty sure somebody has to like. Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't don't want to imagine that anybody sitting at home relaxing to Mother Fuckler in that way. Yeah, but I don't know. Listen. I've received some. some, Some some, some, Oh, Garadine's on this episode. Some of the communication we've received, which hasn't made the mailbag, has referred to people saying, I, I enjoy just, you know, tuning out and listening to those Irish accents wash over me. Oh, I don't like that phrase. Uh, somebody, told, <laughs> somebody told me once that they worked with somebody that had, uh, what was the way they described it? They had an accent crush on some of us. Like I was like, what the fuck is that? But yeah, a voice crush, I think. A voice crush? Just attracted to, to somebody's voice. I, I, I have voice crushes. That's mm. the thing. Karis Matthews from Catatonia. Total voice crush. Oh, I, I am madly in love with that woman's voice. The one, is it Kerry McDonald from Chainspotting who's also in... Uh, Kelly McDonald? Kelly McDonald, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. she'd be my voice crush. But not her voice in Intermission. Nah, She's no, no, doing no, a bad no. Dublin accent. <laughs> I mean, you know, they they could have just let her use her normal Scottish accent. Said, "Oh yeah, she was in, she went to university in, in like Edinburgh." <laughs> She's pretentious. She went to, she did two semesters in St Andrews, and she came home talking like this. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm back here in Tala. I I think they should also have just done that for PS I Love You. They just said, "Oh yeah, uh, your, your man." What's the opposite Jer- of an accent Jer- crush? Butler. That's what I have for that. Oh, Jesus, Darno, love. I'm sorry, I'm dead. Oh, <laughs> read the letter, Darno. Read the letter there. I'm sorry, I'm dead. You know, it's funny that they, they just they just they have they picked a point in history to make that film when there were more kind of um kind of hunky Irish leading men in Hollywood than any any other time in history, and then they suddenly said, "Oh, let's just get this guy instead." You know, the casting director was like, "He what? He's Irish? Or he's Scottish? That's the same thing, right?" Yeah, it's exactly he can, he can do that. <laughs> Jared Butler was like, "Yep, <laughs> absolutely." <laughs> Thanks for the check. <laughs> this is payday. <laughs> Wait, no, you had a ghost story. That's fine. I'm yeah. sad. Sarah, what's her head? Sarah, Sarah Kern. So anyway, Sarah Kern grew up in a high school briary. Her father was, I believe, um, was a, was a, a, a oh, did you say big, briary? The priory. Oh, priory. 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 Okay. And then, yeah, so, oh, yeah. So Sarah Kern had a, um, Sarah Kern, she grew up in a house. She had a sister called Gertrude who was very, full of mischief. Was that a ghost telephone? Yes. Yeah, it's a ghost oh, telephone. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she had a sister who was full of mischief called Gertrude and, and yeah, ghost who's, who's, should pick up. <laughs> Answer the fucking phone, ghost. Hold on, okay, okay. okay. Hang on. I'm going to go sort no, that mate. We'll be right back with an with actual ghost story that Dark might actually finish. Was that a ghost telephone? Ooh. Ooh. 
So Sarah Curran was growing up, growing up on a farm at the Priory. She had a sister called Gertrude who's full of mischief. And her father was absolutely doted on Gertrude, but was was always wanted her to be better behaved. And she was always getting in trouble. And one day she was sent to her room for being particularly mischievous. And the father wanted to, wanted to go up and see that she wanted to check up on her, but she had fallen out the window. Um. He was broken hearted. She and he buried her under her favourite tree in the garden, the tree she liked to play under. And so this and he got a lot of criticism from his friends in the in the local Church of Ireland community for not burying her in consecrated ground, but he buried her under her favourite tree. And then over the coming years, there was often things there'd be sounds in the night, things falling over, knocking thing knocking down. And they thought, yes, maybe the spirit of Gertrude is still haunting the Priory. Ooh. And then Robert Emmett got in a bit of trouble with the law for being involved in a rebellion. Yeah. And in one of, he wrote a letter in which, which indicated that Sarah Curran knew all about things and that the, the British soldiers read this and decided to arrest Sarah Curran. But when they came to the Priory to arrest her, things started going bump. They started tripping over uh, uh, planks and chairs that were lying that were lying around. They weren't there a moment ago. Kettles started falling in them. Uh, chamber pots flew into their faces. And oh. during this chaotic... Oh, Gertrude! Gertrude <laughs> sound on the national Mom question. <laughs> Solid on the national question. And during this during this kerfuffle when the British soldiers making complete aegis of themselves, falling over things that weren't in their way, uh, Sarah Curran was able to escape to Cork. Where the British soldiers notoriously won't go because why would you? <laughs> so that is the um, that is the, one of the. So where's that? Stories. Is that down Sarah Curran Avenue or the? It's in, in around that area, which, which bears her name. Which does, yeah, doesn't bear Gertrude's so name. So does she now? Poor Gertrude. Gertrude, God love her. Is she a poltergeist? Like, what's the definition of a poltergeist? Because she's throwing yokes around, but like she's a ghost who's solid in the national question. Okay, yeah. Yeah, which is a specific type of ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Join us in Dublin on the 17th of November. We'll be taking part in the Dublin Podcast Festival. We're going to do a double header with the amazing Irish passport. So not to be missed. If you're around Dublin, look up Dublin Podcast Festival on Twitter or you can go to DublinPodcastFestival.com. Speaking of haunted buildings, do you guys know what the most haunted building in Ireland is? Is it my house because there's loads of spiders in it now? No, your your house has a fucking ghost and you think the spiders are an indication of its hauntedness? Peg is now... Peg? No, wrong ghost. Wrong ghost. (laughs) Is it? She haunts all of us. (laughs) I know what the most most haunted house in Ireland is. What is it? Aris and spooked her on. Get Get out. out. (laughs) Get out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's... No, I'm done. (laughs) I said it was a good run. It's been a good... Two years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, go. tell us what is the most haunted. Fucking ten episodes or something later. <laughs> Finally, I snapped. <laughs> the most haunted building in Ireland is Lep Castle, not a million miles away from your neck of the woods. It's in County Offaly. It's on the far side of County Offaly. That's on the why I don't recognise it. Don't recognize it. it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, Lep Castle is renowned as the most haunted castle in the world and the most haunted building in Ireland. Love that. Yeah. So I was. I was doing a little bit of research with this, trying to make sure that, you know, my my Halloween story this year is 100% accurate in case anyone <laughs> wants to write a fucking blog about it. So you decided, <laughs> you decided for an accurate story, mm, I'm just going to tell a fucking ghost story. Yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> um, so 
I, I I looked through my old books and there's there's a book I have that I, I really, really enjoy reading. It was written in 1914 and it is called True Irish Ghost Stories. It was written by, and I love these names, Sinjin Seymour and Harry Nelligan. Oh, wow. Oh, which wow. is the original buddy comedy. Like, you know, <laughs> Sinjin <laughs> and Harry. <laughs> Sinjin Seymour, Sinjin D. Seymour and Harry L. Nelligan, who I just, I think their ghost hunting adventures must have been amazing. This is a total <laughs> tangent, but I recently watched the entire series of Mad Men on Netflix and I have mm. subtitles on my Netflix all the time. And there was a character in it at one point named Sinjin and the subtitle people were like, nope. Like, I don't know, he was like an, an English fella. So oh, yeah. it, it it's varied between St. John and just like, just question mark like they were just like nope don't know how to spell that like <laughs> don't know who the fuck they're referring to like was that Jared Harris's character no it was one of the people who worked with Jared Harris um, Sinjin somebody and oh, I was yeah. like like is his name St. John and then I googled it and I was like no it's it's Sinjin and these these American subtitlers are like can't cope can't deal with this, can't deal can't deal with this. <laughs> don't know. first time I ever heard that name was uh, a James Bond film A View to a Kill Oh. He rocks up to Christopher Walken and and uh, Grace Jones's mansion, and yes. it's like, uh, "Oh, what's your name?" It's like Sinjin Smythe, James Sinjin Smythe. <laughs> In that way, only Roger Moore could do. Like, he wasn't yeah. the best Bond, but he was the smarmiest. That's like, wonderful. Far. That is a wonderful name. If, if there is anyone with that name out there, like just Sinjins, Sinjins of the world, give us a shout. <laughs> If you're a Sinjin who listens to mother folklore, more than welcome. So Sinjin, Sinjin Seymour and, and Harry Nelligan were ghost hunters and they gathered true ghost stories. They say it's true. So if I'm going to go to their book, True Ghost Stories from 1914, they renamed the castle, right? Mm-hmm. Lep Castle. They renamed it Kilman Castle because at the time they wrote it, the owners that they interviewed were still there. Uh-huh. So they didn't want them to be to be hassled. So they, uh, I managed to track down that it was the right one because they say here, a couple of months ago, the present writer paid a visit to this castle and was shown all over it one morning by the mistress of the house who under the nom de plume of Andrew Merry has published novels dealing with Irish life and also contributed articles on ghostly phenomena. So I looked up Andrew Merry and it turns up it was indeed Mildred Darby who was married to Admiral Darby, who owned the house. Uh, so it was. it's the same one. So the place itself, Lep Castle, is a grim grey bare building. The central portion, in which is the entrance hall, is a square castle of the usual type. It's built on rock, and a slight batter from base to summit gives an added appearance of strength and solidity. On either side of the castle are more modern wings, one of which terminates in what is known as the Priest's House. Mm. So, oh, here mm. comes the spook, I know. <laughs> it's always so, the church. As to the ghosts, right? Um... Some time ago, a lady, a Miss B, now bear in mind, this was written in 1914, right, who was decidedly psychic, was invited to Kilman Castle, the fake mm-hmm. name they've given it, in the hope that she would be able to locate the whereabouts of a rumoured buried treasure. <clears throat> she failed in this respect, unfortunately, but gave nevertheless a curious example of her power. As she walked through the hall with her hostess, she suddenly laid her hand upon the bare stone wall and remarked, there is something uncanny here but I don't know what it is. And in that very spot, sometime previously, two skeletons had been discovered walled up. Oh, she a bad bitch! (laughs) (laughs) So the sequel to this is curious. Sometime after, the same Miss B, our psychic here, was trying either automatic writing or else was at a seance, the authors here say, we forget which, when a message came to her from the unseen capital U, stating that the treasure at the castle was concealed in the chapel under the tessellated pavement near the altar. But this spirit was either a lying spirit or else a most impish one. 
for there is no trace of an altar, and it is impossible to say from the style of the room where it stood, while the tessellated pavement, if it exists, is so covered with the debris of the former roof, it would be almost impossible to have it thoroughly cleared. But there is as well in this castle a miscellaneous assortment of ghosts. A monk with a tonsure and cowl walks in at one window of the priest's house and out at another. There's also a little old man dressed in the antique garb of a green cutaway coat, knee breeches and buckled shoes. And he is sometimes accompanied by an old lady in a similar old-fashioned costume. Another ghost has a penchant for lying on the bed beside its lawful and earthly occupant. Nothing is seen, but a great weight is felt and a consequent deep impression made on the bedclothes. The lady of the house states that she has a number of letters from friends in which they relate the supernatural experiences they had while staying at the castle. In one of these, the writer, a gentleman, was awakened one night by an extraordinary feeling of intense cold at his heart. He then saw in front of him a tall female figure clothed from head to foot in red and with its right hand raised meninglessly menacingly in the air (laughs) the light which illuminated the figure was from within he lit a match and sprang out of bed but the room was empty he went back to bed and saw nothing more that night except several times the same cold feeling gripped his heart he was in a moor park in in Leash that was sort of us (laughs) for the day like (laughs) Uh, But of all the ghosts in that well-haunted house, the most unpleasant is that inexplicable thing that is usually called it. The lady of the house described to the present writer her personal experience of this phantom. High up round one side of the hall runs a gallery which connects with some of the bedrooms. One evening she was in this gallery leaning on the balustrade and looking down into the hall. Suddenly she felt two hands laid on her shoulders. She turned around sharply and saw it standing close beside her. She described it as being human in shape and about four feet high. The eyes were like two black holes in the face and the whole figure seemed as if it were made of grey cotton wool while it was accompanied by a most appalling stench such as would come from a decaying human body. The lady got a shock from which she did not recover for a long time. Stephen King found quaking. Yeah. <laughs> so Lep Castle, um, mm-hmm. to, to to sort of have a look at the the actual history of Lep Castle, there's there's a lot of varied accounts as to when the main tower was constructed, but it was probably built in the 13th century, early Norman settlement in Ireland, uh, around about 1250. Uh, it was built by um, the uh, O'Bannon clan, the O'Bannons. Um, the area was originally called Lame Ivanon, and from that Lame we get Leap or Lep as it's pronounced in this one. Um but the O'Bannons were not long for that uh for that area. They um they they didn't uh, they were underlings, they were sort of petty kings and they they were subservient to the O'Carroll clan and the O'Carroll or the O'Carroll clan were ruthless and domineering. They seized Lep Castle and with that began a uh, a massive uh, a massive uh Ah, uh, there we go. I found it. Sorry. I wrote my notes. (laughs) A massive and gruesome legacy of carnage that left a supernatural scar at the core of the menacing reputation of Lep Castle. Many a massacre took place within the walls at the hands of this clan. When the chief of the O'Carrolls died, Mm. he left no successor. You know, the the ancient Irish Gaelic system was tanistry that you'd yeah. name a Tánaiste and the Tánaiste would be the one until mm-hmm. an election could be held among the Derevina to uh, nominate the successor. But they, he hadn't done that. He died uh, unexpectedly. So there were two sons, Thaddeus and Tyke, 
Great who, names. Um, oh, fantastic Great names. names. Yeah. Thaddeus yeah. O'Carroll and Tygo O'Carroll. Um, they had a massive dispute over who would rule. Thaddeus was the eldest and he was the most well-liked and he was the one that everybody said, oh, you know, Thaddeus should be the, he should be the chieftain because he's, he's, he's really good. The issue being that Thaddeus was a priest. He was Father Taddy. Oh. Uh, so yeah. the brother yeah. Tyg was like, yeah, you can't, lads. You can't, can't be giving it to both. a priest. Yeah. You can't have both, right? You, yeah. you want to be Pick a priest a or a king. You want to be yeah. a priest or a king. You mm-hmm. can't You can't be both. Um, so Taddy was was the um, Taddy was the, the, the favourite. Everybody thought it was going to be him. And one day he was saying Mass in their private chapel in the castle. And, you know, pre-Vatican II, the priest said Mass with his back to the audience. Is it audience? Congregation. Uh-huh. Congregation, <laughs> that's the word. Hey, you've been a great audience. <laughs> Peace be with you and also with your spirit. Try uh, the communion. <laughs> uh, so he, he had his back to the congregation. Tig bursts in through the doors carrying a Clive Moore, a Claymore, a massive sword <gasps> and he rams it right through Taddy's back, stabs Ooh. him in the heart and Taddy collapses onto the altar and he bleeds to death right there in what is now known as the Bloody Chapel at Lep Castle. So Tyg became the O'Carroll, as it's known, Jeez, the chief a, of the that, clan. That's a chief fierce, of fierce mess. Yeah, kidding. I feel like if you're going to murder your brother in, like, you know, in an attempt to take over, maybe don't do it when there's a load of there's an audience watching. You know, maybe do a little bit, a little bit cloak and dagger, literally cloak and dagger. But well, maybe he wanted to be like a. It had to be balls like, out, like it's big. He, it has yeah. to be a big gesture. Yeah. You know, did he have a have a line? Did he have a kind of an, a, a line when he stabbed him? I'm now pronouncing you a man and knife. <laughs> Eat this. <laughs> He's like, oh, I just thought of a line. Could you? Um, uh, no, it's, it's too late. Never mind, never it's mind, too late. We can't take a second take. Who's the O'Carroll now? Um, so Tyke became the O'Carroll. And, you know, legend has it that the priest's apparition can be seen wandering the bloody chapel. Um, we read in the in the 1914 book by Seymour and Nelligan that the, you see the monk with the tonsure wandering through oh, what yeah, used to be known yeah. as the, the priest's house. That could well be Taddy looking for revenge or even just some peace because he was killed uh, in the middle of the sacred mass. Um, they were, by all accounts, the O'Carrolls were not cool. No. Just not. Sound. Was it because they're from Offaly? Is that why? It's entirely possible. Yeah, it's entirely possible. So. <laughs> is, is Offaly still sponsored by O'Carroll's Ham? The jerseys. Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just saying. Just in case we're offending, they're probably no connection to the fine ham people. They're they're mm. that's fine ham. That's grand. Nothing to do with no. these guys. But the these these O'Carrolls of Lep Castle, they were they were not cool. They were in a they were in a battle with the um, they were in a battle a running war a feud with the the Clonvic Mahuna the McMahon family. Yeah. So they invited them over to a celebratory feast to say, listen, um, we'll, we'll, we'll put it to bed now. In the past, you've helped us. You defeated our rivals. So we need to just have a new peace treaty. Uh, and instead of paying their debts and instead of compromising and coming to a peace accord, they decided to poison the McMahons <gasps> at dinner. Oh, and apparently, pups. you can see the ghosts of all the McMahons. Um, Knocking around. Yeah. And I don't mean the wrestling ones, not not Vince mm-hmm. and Stephanie, but uh, those ones. Um, one of the most notorious spirits, we heard about the Red Lady who appears in bedrooms. Yeah, I liked her. I wanted you to come back to her now. Yeah, so she's a very tall spectre clothed in a fluttering red gown clinging to a sharp blade. Uh, the story is that she was imprisoned by the Carols. She yeah. was repeatedly sexually assaulted and raped. Yeah. Eventually, she gave birth to a baby who was murdered in cold blood by the Carols. Overwhelmed with grief over the loss of her child, the Red Lady used the knife her phantom bears to put an end to her life of torment and she uh, she roams the halls of the castle and the bedrooms of the castle looking for revenge for the murder of her, her Maybe baby. she's just roaming the halls minding her own business and people should leave her alone. So, I like this lady. Mm. Does she have a name? 
The Lady in Red. Oh, okay. She probably did. Made famous by Christa Berg. That's who you think about. (laughs) So... Um, in 1600, uh, after the, uh, the the plantations, uh, when when what it was Ivalia became was that the Kings County or yeah, Queens, County? No, Kings County? Queens County, that's us. Yeah. yeah okay. So when Ivalia became Kings County, that was the, the plantations, and all of the lands and the castles there were handed over, and uh, this was given to the Darby family, an adventurer called Captain Darby, known as the Wild uh, Captain. Um, he. Um, he did, didn't not do murder either. <laughs> but, but, but did he give the O'Carrolls what for for all their dastardly and blackguarding behaviour? Well, so as the story goes... Um, they wished a way down to Kerry, did they not? With the O'Carrolls? Yeah, the the yeah. But before that happened, in the early, in the early uh, 1600s, um, what happened was... Uh, Captain Darby, Wild Captain Darby, an English adventurer, was captured in a in a in a, in a battle with the O'Carrolls, oh. uh, and he was being held in one of the castle's dungeons. And uh, the daughter of the reigning O'Carroll, the O'Carroll at the time, of course, fell in love with him, and uh, she used to sneak down to the uh, to the dungeons, and um, the yeah, so she she fell pregnant. Um, and when they found this out, they were like, we're going to have to kill this, this son bitch, this <laughs> Captain Darby. Um, he, got, he, was, he was there in, this, in their dungeon, like, chained to the wall and he got her pregnant. Yeah. Rascal. Listen, the only reason she fell in love with him because he was the only fella who wasn't like decidedly as much of a dick as all the O'Carrolls who were obviously around because... Yeah, yeah. you think that. <laughs> but see, but this Less is of a dick. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everything is relative, sure. Anyway, the um, the... the she then got wind that they were gonna they were gonna top her 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 boyf, uh, and so she planned the great escape. And as she was leading him out the stairways um, to get out, uh, the girl's brother steps out from the shadows. Ah, oh, shit! You're going nowhere. Like epic stuff, like epic oh, movies. This stuff. is like Pocahontas, but without Mel Gibson. Like, love that. <laughs> was he in the? He was John Smith. He was the voice of John Smith. Was he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it gets less cute as, as time know, goes as on you realise like, like, Matt oh. Gibson's a dick. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was an imperialist. I didn't realise John Smith was an anti-Semite as well. Like. Uh, <laughs> the Anyway, the, there was a massive sword fight, epic stuff, and Darby narrowly amani- uh, emerged the victor. Um, the, the O'Carroll son was the only other heir. So the daughter became heiress to the castle and when the elder O'Carroll died, she inherited along with Darby and because he was of English stock and English adventurer, he was allowed to retain his lands in the plantation. Oh, nice. So the Darbys held on to it until the early 1900s. Until 1922, actually, when they left for... I wonder why. <laughs> the other business to attend to. Because the just place kept getting burned by their ah. Um, <laughs> but in the 1900s, they were doing up Lep Castle and they discovered behind a wall in the chapel an oubliette. Do you know what an oubliette is? No, but oh. I enjoy that word. Yeah, it's a lovely word to say, but it's a horrible thing. An oubliette is a feature of medieval dungeons. It comes from the French verb, the medieval French verb oublier, which means to forget. Yeah. It was essentially a hole in the ground with spikes at the bottom that you would put people and then... Alublier. Oh. Forget about them. Forget. About oh. them. So, I have forgotten that I put François in the exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But the point was that you forgot about them. If, if, if a person was lucky, the spikes at the bottom of the Alublier would kill them. If oh, they otherwise they, they were starve, unlucky, yeah. they would starve to death or die of thirst. On spikes. On spikes or with broken ankles and legs and things like that. Um, you need a good line if you're going to push someone to Nubliet. Like, Où est le sens du Georges Pompidou? <laughs> oh, Jubilee. <laughs> <laughs> Forget me not. <laughs> um, 
so in the ni- in the early 1900s, around about the turn of the 20th century, the Derby family were doing up Lep Castle mm-hmm. and they discovered an oubliette behind the wall in the chapel. Um, so there were, may or, you know, there were, there were human skeletons in this thing, right? Yeah. So much so that it would take three cartloads to remove all of them. What the O'Carrolls would do is they would invite someone to their castle, they would invite them for dinner and if they didn't poison them, they would bring them up to what was known by that stage as the bloody chapel and invite them to pray, which like everybody was big into praying at that (laughs) stage. And then they would kick them down a trapdoor to be impaled by a spear eight feet below. It was an eight foot drop and it tapered. It tapered at the top so you couldn't (gasps) climb out. These lads are fucking mad. But like, there was no way built into this castle to get anybody out of that oubliette. Like, it was in there and that's where you stay. I mean, the smell in the chapel must have been rank. Listen, I feel like smells generally at the time were just like rotten. Well, nobody washed. Yeah, yeah, no one brushed their teeth. So like, if somebody's saying you're smelly, that it there at the end, it was smelly. It must have been real fucking smelly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if a ghost was smelly, it's like, yeah. How smelly was it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when they discovered this oubliette, not only did it take three cartloads to get rid of all the skeletons, but they found a pocket watch on one of them, which would lead one to believe that the Darbys were using the oubliette (gasps) right up into the 1800s. Oh, they were like, oh, we forgot. Wait. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we oubliated about about that. So, so many. Um, there was. Um, so, <laughs> there's this lovely little piece here, right? Um, the Derby's abandoned Leap Castle in 1922. Found this bit online. At the time, Ireland was fighting for its independence from England, and given the Derby's were an English family, Leap Castle was a prime target for revolt. Shortly after the Derby's departure, the castle was bombed and looted by the IRA, who hung. Um, peacocks from meat hooks along the tower. Um, take that, that peacocks. That's, that's badass at the same time though. Yeah, yeah. Like, isn't it? Peacocks. Like. Yeah, fancy feathered fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> again. I presume they were the Derby's peacocks. But here's the, yeah. Presumably, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they didn't bring their own peacock. We're, we're burning a castle. We have Michael's peacocks. P- BYO peacock. <laughs> the, uh, a friend of the, de- this is my favourite sentence in this entire website that I found this background on, on Lep Castle. A friend of the Derby's lived in the castle briefly until she was ravaged by gangrene. Oh wow! And that's that's there's no Sorry, other context. You can't just say that. And leave. So, what did she just refuse to leave? Oh, that leg has fallen off. But I'm not going out to the doctor. So like. there's no um there's there's no there's absolutely no further. Uh, does she context. like? I, she Nothing fascinates me riddled, more than anything else. Riddled with gangrene, she was, <laughs> uh, and then and then from that point on, it lay dormant until in the seventies. It was uh, it was uh, purchased by an Irish Australian uh, historian called Peter Bartlett. He tried to do a lot of uh, restorative work for fifteen years, but he does say that the poltergeist activity put much of it off. Um, he wasn't. He did contract a white witch to drive the spirits out of the castle. But she said that the spirits promised they wouldn't cause any more trouble, but they insisted on staying in the castle. So they wouldn't interfere with the planning They wouldn't interfere with anything. Permission. They wouldn't object to the planning permission because right, okay. they find it very difficult to come up with the yeah, 25 euro yeah, for the exactly, appeal. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so Bork and all are yeah. scarier than both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, um, Peter Bartlett died in 1989, uh, cutting short the restoration works. And it was bought by a musician then in 1991 called Sean Ryan. Uh, and he pledged to get on with the restoration. He's done a wonderful job. There have been a few freak accidents since the Ryans moved in. Uh, there was a broken kneecap uh, at one stage that delayed the restoration. Uh, once the reno- renovation resumed, there was another accident that led uh, led uh, Ryan to have a broken ankle. So broken kneecap, broken ankle. Oh, yeah, yeah. But what happened was they decided to conduct, when they had a baby, they did the newborn baby's christening in the bloody chapel 
Ah, lads. Since that point, since that joyous event, since giving Mm. the ghosts that little bit of happiness, that little bit of joy, um, there's been no more carnage, no more bloodshed. Generations and generations of horror have ended. The castle is still owned by the Ryans. You can't stay there overnight, but if you're you're in the vicinity, you can contact Sean Ryan. He has been known to give tours of the castle. Which is not possible because Mm. Offaly's not real, so... Yeah, you can't actually. Yeah, it's a figment of people's imagination. Yeah, but I mean, this is this is the. It's been this place has been visited by paranormal investigators from um, ABC, from Living TV, from the Atlantic Paranormal Society, from the Sci-Fi Channel, the Travel Channel, um, the, the Travel the Channel. Travel have, Channel. Well, they, they have a program called Ghost Adventures, and oh, they filmed right. one of their Hall- Halloween specials. Allegedly, it is an, an elemental or Oscarelga a Gelton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's a creature created by wind uh, and uh-huh. uh, is is pretty freaky so he's pr- probably the freakiest part of it the lady in red um, she was featured on uh, ABC's special uh, The Scariest Places on Earth and Living TV's programme uh, Most Haunted way back in its first season love that for her yeah, yeah so it's good to see her get a bit of airtime. listen she deserves it she I does. also think Stephen King is waiting for the lawsuit to happen when people find out that he robbed his like notorious character from this fucking castle these lads <laughs> Sinjin and his bros like they're entitled to an awful Sinjin and Harry rarities. for finding out the, the Sinjin yeah. Seymour and Harry Sinjin Seymour and Harry Sinjin Seymour and Harry you Nelligan just, you just sounds see like, the three of them yeah it sounds yeah. like a comedy like sketch group from like the 70s like Sinjin <laughs> Seymour and Harry I can really imagine like Seymour had a plank on his shoulder and turned around Sin- and hit yeah. the two with him in the head Seymour is Sinjin's surname it's Sinjin Seymour oh, so, oh no it's the best Best name ever. It's Sinjin D. Seymour. No. Sinjin D. Seymour and Harry L. Nelligan. I'm telling you, it's the buddy comedy you've all been waiting for. Oh, I thought it was three brothers. Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) Well, Sinjin Seymour and Harry Nelligan. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, Sinjin Nelligan would be an amazing name, but <laughs> no, it's, it's Sinjin Seymour. Also, I find yeah. a little issue with it. What is their book called? Is it like True Irish Ghost Stories? So it's like ghost stories, but they're true. Like that seems a little bit. He's they're honing that that in a little bit hard. Like oh, it's it's, it's, a, it's, it's the a ghost really stories. Good, it's a really good true. book. It's a really good book. But it's tr- a really good book. True. It's really good though. True. So you might say, <laughs> I mean, I mean is, do you do you take issue? Do you judge books by their cover? Is that what you do? You judge I mean, I want to say no, but Tom I Clancy book. do. I read this Tom Clancy book, and I was disappointed to learn that there were no bears or dragons in it. It turns out it was a metaphor for Russia and China. A disgrace. Oh wow! None out of I five. Would have been, I would have been disappointed <laughs> by that. Uh-huh. <laughs> the so. Lord of the Rings. There isn't a single lord in the book. There's rings on the front of it, though. There's a ring in this book, Usually. but only one. No, is there not a few One of them? out of five. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've read The Hobbit and it was tedious. Like, but there's a ring on the front of that and I don't think there's much about in the ring. In the two in towers, the so-called two towers, only one tower really features to any great extent. Two out of five. Do not buy this book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can we do an episode where we just do fake Amazon reviews? <laughs> we can. Welcome to Garradine's Judging Books by the Covers. <laughs> so so that might- was true ghost stories and they are true. No word of a lie. Put that in your blog. You might say that Lep Castle's awfully haunted. Okay. <laughs> no. no. Okay. That's no. It. No, on that note. That was fucking scary. <laughs> on that note. On that note, we wish you a safe and happy sound. Remember, <laughs> have a fun Halloween. Leave sweets out for the kids. Don't leave celery out for the children. And keep your dogs and cats indoors. Keep your dogs, cats indoors. And... Mind yourselves. Don't be a scab. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be that little prick who gives kids raisins on Halloween. Oh, they're they're nature's candy. Get (laughs) out! (laughs) 
I'm here for the toffee apples and the bounty bars. I'm here for nothing else. <laughs> You're the one who take the bounty bars. I like a bounty I like bar. bounty bars as well, yeah. but it's like it's like a niche. It's like a niche sweet. I think my favorite thing about bounty bars is they're the ones that are always left. Like yeah. I'll eat the out of the celebrations box. I'll eat the Maltesers first, obviously, oh because like it's every man for himself there. So you know, in like in roses, like undoubtedly the most horrible rose growing up was the uh, the coffee one. Well, yeah. Nobody oh, liked no. the coffee one. No, right? no, it's the one that tastes like Calpol. That's the most rotten one. What's that? The strawberry one? Yeah. Yeah. Second most rotten at a push, like at a push. The coffee one was bad. Anyway, let's 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 take this as our starting point that the coffee one is manky. Okay, yeah. So sure. I'm my we're literally going straight from Halloween to Christmas here. Yeah, well, that, I mean, once yeah, Halloween listen, is over, what else are you going to do? Listen, we're taking the Tesco model on this, okay? Yeah. Straight from Halloween <laughs> to Christmas. I've had the advent calendar up since the end of August. Um, the, the, so my mom, when she would go down to visit her relatives in Waterford at Christmas time, would offer to have the coffee ones. Like, she'd, she'd, oh, I'll take that's, the coffee one. Being selfless. That's, that's a man thing to do, isn't I know, it? But she didn't realise that this was my cousin's favourite fucking <gasps> sweet. And every year they would save up all the coffee ones, even though they loved it. They loved the, oh, co- loved the coffee sweets. Adorable. But they're like, oh, here, you take this. We we know you love them. It's we Christmas. We know you love them. It is Christmas. It's and in her head, she was like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this. <laughs> These <'cause> fuckers. <laughs> fucking coffee sweets, bastards. <laughs> right. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. It's a salon for me. And a salon Wemshire. And a salon for me. Motherfucker comes out every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Thanks to Kirsten Schiff for doing the art. Thanks to Brian for producing. You can contact the show at motherfuckerheadstuff.org. Uh, come to see us at the Dublin Podcast Festival in November the 17th. 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 We're doing a wonderful double headliner with, with Irish. the Irish passport. Now, me and Tim, they're second pair of podcasters. Good podcasters support other good podcasters. Love you loads. Mind yourselves. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Fuck's sake. Height of unprofessionalism.